Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. With all due respect, that's a bunch of malarkey. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. I'm Amanda Duran. And the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit happening in the news explained to you by your two funniest friends which is us let's get into it let's get into it oh do you know what today marks brian um oh my god i think i do because i'm looking at it yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's six months until inauguration oh goodness gracious what was six months ago valentine's day it was like right after valentine's day so that much time yeah. Until a new president, maybe. Uh huh. I don't remember. I, everything doesn't exist before. That's true. Before That's March. a bad example. The past six months have not been a good example of how I, time um, goes by. I don't, I can't tell you what I did for Valentine's Day at all right now. So that is not great. Me neither. <laughs> no idea. Honestly, probably nothing. But Mike's probably over there in the other room, like, ha, she doesn't even remember we didn't do anything. Yeah, I don't think we did anything either. I think, we, I think yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, today's um, also the strike for Black Lives. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So today, advocacy groups and labor activists have organized a nationwide strike to pressure McDonald's, Amazon, Uber, and Lyft, and more, to raise wages and allow their workers to form unions. Domestic and healthcare workers will also join the walkout Uh To put some perspective, Black Americans make up 13% of the population, while more than 30% of the country's nursing, psychiatric, and home health aides are Black. Yeah, and these are some of the most, like, poorly paid jobs. I mean, the ones in home health aides and working minimum wage for places like McDonald's. And, and you know, probably the most essential, you know? I mean... 100%. It's... Because, you know... I, I. being a McDonald's worker is, you know, I know it's, it, this, I'm not, this isn't a question of like how healthy it is, but it's a question of the amount of people that they feed in this country. It's, a, it's a, a reliable food source for a yeah. lot of people. So those, you know, the fact that they aren't able to, they are, aren't at least guaranteed minimum wage, or, but they should be making above it because you can't even live, you can't, there's not one place in the United States where you can live full time off exactly. of minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Fight for 15 is one of the, one of the groups that's um, putting this on today. And, and not everybody can walk out. Obviously, you know, that's a challenge for some people that work in, in medicine, but everybody is going, a lot of people have committed to at least walking out for eight minutes and 45 seconds, uh, 46 seconds today to commemorate how long um, Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd uh, before he died. Wow. Um, so keep an eye out for that and, and ways to support. Also, this comes as, and we'll talk a little bit about this, where the $600 a month extra payments are going to expire. But a lot of people that worked at places like this that stayed open, they didn't have like access to that. But if they got sick, they just had to take 
shifts off. So a lot of a lot of reasons to pay really close attention to this type of, of work today. Um, we want to do a quick COVID update to start the week. Um, so the New York Times over the weekend once again reported on the Trump administration's failures during the pandemic. I was like, how do I talk about this in a new way? <laughs> like a new way. This specifically talks about the failures around when cases were declining or looking like I feel like they weren't even declining yet, but there was a point. It was like, oh, our peak is almost here. Yay. I know. I remember that. I also remember, because I remember the lead up to New York being in the peak and be like, all right, this two weeks is going to be the really the worst of it. Two weeks is going to be the worst of it. And I remember being like in the middle of it. I'm like, okay, here we are. And like, yeah, I don't know. And then it just sort of, I guess it went down, but it's, it was still high for a while. Right. And then suddenly the whole country was like, okay, New York's going down. I guess like, I guess that we can we can all chill out now. So this investigation looks particularly at that period when Trump was like, okay, everybody reopen. And a lot of states were like, we're fine. We're going to reopen. We can't keep having this effect on our economy. And as we know, a lot of those places that did open prematurely are having some pretty devastating spikes right now. This piece sort of looks at what was happening in the administration um, to make them feel like that was the right move. Um, certainly no evidence or data, but... Interestingly, I thought this part of the piece was interesting. The Times describes Deborah Burr, who we haven't seen a ton of lately, as perhaps a little bit too optimistic within the administration. She had been the one assuring Trump that things were on the way down. I think what she wanted to do was say, like, this intense social distancing is working. Look, everything's going down. But in reality, that was a really good reason to keep doing it rather than to stop, I think. It's like, I mean, it's like whenever you take antibiotics. It's like, oh, I'm feeling better. Um, so I'm gonna, but I'm going to stop taking them, even though your doctor's like, no, you have to make sure you take all seven days of your antibiotics, you know? Yeah, that's exactly it. Exactly. It. But she was like, eh, I think we're fine. Interesting. I had read a profile of her when all of this first started, because obviously she's like a fascinating woman in every sense of, of what she's done with her life. And the main let alone, criticism- Let alone the scarves. Oh my God. The scarves. There's an Instagram <laughs> account for her scarves. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and it was saying how, you know, and you know, I'm very- hesitant to believe like any sort of piece about a woman in power who people have complaints about I'm a little bit I'm like okay I'm gonna take all this with a grain of salt but what a lot of people that had worked with her said was that she is very reliant on data and people wish she had listened a little bit more to the people on the ground specifically like with her AIDS research like places where cases looked like they were small she would divert resources in places where they were growing she would put it which you know I'm sure this is a huge tension in the sciences but it looks like based on the Times investigation, that was maybe not the best advice to be taking while Fauci was still saying, you know, publicly, like, we got to keep doing this. this is what's working. We can't be opening up too quickly. So around that time, the peak of the cases was 36,000 a day. That was in mid-April. And on Thursday, as we know, there were more than 75,000 confirmed cases, which is a new record. So lots of failures, mostly, I mean, there was one anecdote in there where like Jared Kushner called Gavin Newsom and was like, if you want these swabs you need for testing, like you have to call Trump and ask him nicely and promise to say thank you after. And he did to get the fucking swabs. That's, I mean, Christ, you'll have to do us a favor though. Like in our own country. That is, yeah. I mean that, gosh. You know, he was rightfully impeached in Ukraine, but it's just for Ukraine. But now it's just like every single thing that he <laughs> They'll does. They'll probably I mean, impeach him in Ukraine too. They'll find a way. I know in Ukraine. I mean, holy shit! I didn't see that. I didn't see that antidote. I have, <gasps> you know, um, I I did see that um, Trump was talking about bringing back 
the daily briefings, which, you know, I think he said he might bring, start bringing them back tomorrow. Oh, interesting. He probably realizes that, like, no, sir, you really cannot have rallies. Yeah. <laughs> so I now think, he wants you know, to be on TV again. I, yeah. And you, he, I don't know. Um, speaking of California, cases are still rising, and California is on the verge of another shutdown, just as the federal government's $600 weekly unemployment benefits will end. So Congress comes back into session this week and lawmakers will debate whether to extend the supplemental benefits, which have been a lifeline for more than 30 million people across the United States. This additional $600 per week was designed to fully replace the average worker's missing paycheck, whereas unemployment benefits usually just cover a fraction of lost wages. Um, and so were the, are, if these extra benefits are to suddenly end, it would reduce Americans' collective spending power by nearly $19 billion per week. That doesn't seem like it would be very great for the economy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm um, not an economist, but... <laughs> I know. I, I'm, no, I'm no mathematician. Yeah. But $19 billion is a lot of, a lot of uh, you know, moolah. A lot of billions. Yeah, that's a lot of billions. More billions than I will ever see in my entire life. Or Donald Trump. It's <laughs> true. Uh, some employers and Republicans complain that the $600 added benefit allows some Americans to earn more money per week than they would at their low-wage job. So, uh, you know, maybe they should just <laughs> listen to it's what there is coming out of their mouth, the words coming out of their mouth. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> re- like, how like, ridiculous is that? I'm sorry. Right. Like, oh, anyways. Yeah. So research suggests that when unemployment is this high, people do go back to work. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin is taking these fears seriously and suggested that if the White House endorses another round of payments, it will be less. Well, because presumably the 600 was based on cost of living analysis for what it will cost people to be able to like contribute to the economy and keep be able to pay some of their bills. And they decided mm-hmm. that that was more than most people are capable of making at their low wage job. Mm-hmm. And they're like, huh, okay, well then it's too much. Not that they, they didn't have the other, you know, rational conclusion that, oh, well then that means we're not paying people enough. It's bizarre, it's so strange. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So where is 
Congress with a new assistance package. I mean, also, had they had there been a better model in Washington from Republicans, specifically the president, to like model behavior that could have kept cases going down such that economy. I mean, New York entered stage four today. There's a lot of phase four. There's a lot of things that we can't do in stage four. So I don't know why they keep calling it the final stage. It's like three phase three plus. Yeah. But were we to actually continue mitigation and containment and social distancing, we could have been more open right now. And that's what Mitch McConnell has been waiting for. So I feel like the reason they haven't, they haven't, the Senate hasn't pushed through any more additional assistance is because McConnell has been like, I don't want to authorize it if stuff might get better. And then we wasted all of this money supporting Americans and giving them yeah. a big wage. So on Friday, uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said the Democrats have had no contact with Senate Republicans or the Trump administration regarding the next stimulus bill. Uh, Senate Republicans are reportedly working alone with the White House on a second bill, which is pretty likely to include more stimulus checks. That seems likely, even though, as Mnuchin said, like any regular recurring payments will probably less than what they've been. This comes two months after the House of Representatives passed the HEROES Act. They did that in mid-May, uh, which would have given another round of stimulus checks and extend um, those $600 a week benefits through January 2021, I believe. So the House and Senate have 10 days to figure out what they're going to do to help people. Um, then the session ends again. So Nancy Pelosi says she'll keep the House in session for as long as it takes uh, to get this done. Uh, also, she already did her part of the job. So that's pretty nice. That's such a typical like woman in the workplace. Like I already did my part, but I will stay late to wait for you yeah. to do yours. Um, and amid all this, uh, the president maintains the virus will disappear eventually. <laughs> she had that. Did you seek some clips from that wild Chris Wallace interview? Yes. Oh my goodness gracious. I mean, definitely voting for Biden. Oh, totally. And like, there is just so much to glean from that. I'm, I love that it's on Fox news, you know, not to say like, like why? I mean, I guess he's, he's, that's the only network other than like, Onan or whatever the fuck it's called. OAN. <laughs> yeah. Um, that he'll do an interview for. Not so, anymore. Like, you know, not anymore. Right. Exactly. And so it's like, well, at least Chris Wallace is doing what like is like holding him to some some semblance of accountability. I know we're not really getting into it, but I um, just the questions about the cognitive test alone. Oh yeah, we could talk about that. I mean, yeah, I guess so. Trump said what like two weeks ago that he had taken a cognitive test, and then during this interview, Wallace was like, "What did he say?" He was like, "I've taken that test too. It's not hard." Well, he's like, "It's not very hard," and he like sh- he like pulls the test up in like a graphic, and it's like. It says identify an elephant or something. And he's like, okay, well, Trump is like, well, the last five questions are very, very hard. And the last five questions are like, repeat these numbers back to me backwards. Uh, Two, four, seven. Seven, four, two. And then it's like, and then like one of the last questions is like, what is today's date? Today's date. What month is it? Where are we currently? Okay. So the fact that he has, like, it's like he's A, even being made to take this test. Right. Red flag. Yes. The fact that he feels the need to brag about a cognitive test had a rational non like person, you know, like a person, non-person, a person without cognitive would take the test without thinking about it. They would just think it was just like some aspect to, Oh, this is like my physical. I get my blood taken. I get my heart rate checked. I, I breathe, whatever they listen to it. <laughs> and I do this test. It's not like I breathe the best. Right. No, yeah. it's just something basically that you should be able to do that, like, if you can't do, then there's a problem. It's a good point. That, yeah. 
And when the fact he was that he's talking about, about it, it's ridiculous. You're so right. When he was talking about this, the way he was talking about it, he almost made you forget. He was almost spinning it as if it was like an IQ test. So mm-hmm. he was like, I perform great. But yeah, you're right. Like a basic cognition test is something that if you, yeah, if you don't pass that, that's, that's like when you're in school and they want to check on you and see if you're progressing along and you have to, like, those are basic things to make sure that you don't need additional assistance in life. It's yeah, not an exactly. IQ test to show yeah. that you're a smart person. Oh my and God. Just, and the fact that he needs to brag, feels that he should brag about acing this test. It's like, that is just horrifying. That's really horrifying. Yeah. I mean, that whole interview was pretty batshit. He also, uh, we posted the clip on the feed so you can watch it there, said wouldn't commit to leaving office if he's reelected or if he's not reelected. Uh, was like, we'll have to see, we'll have to see, we'll have to see, which I, I didn't remember. He said that in 2016 yeah. too. Um, we also learned this morning that uh, former Ohio Governor John Kasich, who is a Republican, is going to speak at the Democratic National Convention in support of Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. So this is part of like a, a number of somewhat repo- prominent Republicans uh, have started to say who they're going to vote for. I think like Carly Fiorino, she said she's voting for Biden, but this is like, it's going to speak yeah. for him at the DNC. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Also another side note, and I keep pointing this out, his makeup is insane. It is like getting worse. The, the line of hair, the hairline is just so ridiculous. I just that, that makes me think that there's really something cognitively wrong with him because it is just horrifying. Yeah, how does nobody say at, anything? He obviously looks at himself on television or on Twitter or whatever the fuck. So, like, he, how can he not see? Anyways. Okay. I mean, like, some people yeah. like to do their makeup in, in a way that I wouldn't do it, but you realize over time, like, oh, no, that's the, that's the look. That's what they're going for. So, like, mm-hmm. well, I respect that. I, I blend mine, but maybe he, that's maybe what he's going for, Brian. It reminds me of when I was in like seventh grade and I had first started to get like pretty bad acne. And so I would like go into my mom's bathroom and start using her makeup, like her cover up. And she had darker, I didn't know how to blend. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So I just put it all over my face. And she would drive me to the bus stop sometimes because the bus stop was kind of far. And she was looking at me and she was like, Ryan, if you need to use makeup, please let me teach you how to do it because yeah. I can see the lines and I will get you some. Like, it's fine. That makes sense. I bet what's going on is that people will say that to Trump and he's like, I don't wear makeup. What are you talking about? I know. It's not makeup. <laughs> my, that was my reaction. Yeah. I was like, I'm not wearing makeup. What? But he doesn't like, he, he's being treated. Um, he's acting like a seventh grader. You know what I mean? And like, I eventually was like, okay, mom, thanks. Yeah. Help me. I saw the error of my ways. I know. Just like, Anyways. I mean, yeah, you think he would love him some James Charles. That's like mm-hmm. right his vibe. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. So let's pivot to this really, really disturbing story, uh, the abuse of civil rights in Portland. The Trump administration's Department of Homeland Security has sent federal agents in unmarked cars and unmarked uniforms to quell unrest in Portland. Largely peaceful protests have taken place in the city following the death of George Floyd, and last week, Oregon Public Broadcasting reported that federal agents wearing camouflage and tactical gear had been pulling some protesters into unmarked vans. Now there are images across the internet that's showing this is happening in addition to agents tear gassing and assaulting protesters. I think what is, you know, uh, it is all very disturbing, obviously, but what really is frightening is like if some, if I was in this situation, I would be frightened that I, some like far right extremist group was kidnapping me, which totally, it kind, of, right. kind of, it kind of is, yeah. but, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I'm like, Oh my God, are they about to murder me and like do like film it and spread it across the internet or something? Like, it's really, that's fucking frightening Gestapo shit. Ken Cuccinelli Um, was on uh, CNN this morning and he was saying, and he said this a lot. He was like, lots of cars are unmarked. Lots of officers don't identify themselves immediately. It's like, yeah, dude, that's a problem. That doesn't make this okay. (laughs) That's not okay. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, wait, do you hear yourself? Um, the, in, the administration, administration says it sent these agents in because Portland wasn't doing enough to protect federal buildings and statues. So this is all for some fucking federal buildings for blocks and bricks and statues. Um, not How many people. electoral votes do statues have? <laughs> I know. What, you know, what Nobody are the civil right amendments protecting statues? <laughs> um... Trump and other officials are blaming Portland for not doing enough law enforcement themselves. Oregon officials are saying this is political theater meant to appeal to Trump's political base in an effort to win re-election. Portland's mayor, Oregon's governor, and both of the state's U.S. senators have said federal agents aren't needed to deal with the civil unrest. They did not ask for these agents. They were, they were anticipating these protests and you know demonstrations to quell i think they were getting better they were getting better and they were expecting and they were like oh in a week or two like i think we'll be they'll be they'll be like you know quite small you know and now and because of this you know more people are protesting you're seeing there was that group of like the wimp the moms who created that wall um just the protests are getting bigger now because of these federal agents. There was that story of that, that viral video. I think we posted it too, of that on our story. The um, that that man getting beaten with batons and being gassed in the face. He was he. I read this the, uh, a story about him in Washington Post. I think he spoke to the Washington Post, and he was talking. He's a former veteran, or he's a veteran. Um, he had never protested before. Wow. He was um, there because he wanted to ask these federal agents, like, how do you feel about your oath to the Constitution? And that's what he, he, so he walks up to them and he's like, 
how dare you like 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 what do you, like do you still believe your oath that you made to the constitution do you still believe like like saying this sort of things to him and that's when they attacked him with but they beat him with the batons and then gassed him they put put pepper pepper spray in his face oh he yeah. walked away he accidentally walked into tear gas because he couldn't see where he was going he started like coughing and retching and they then took him to he found up like a bench sat on an EMT took him to an, a hospital and they had broken his hand in two places. When they like were beating, beating him? With, when they were beating him with a baton. That viral video of that guy being like beaten. Yeah. And just standing there. That's really, crazy. Really insane. Especially because yeah. not because there's anything okay about what about ha- that having happened, but in, in some protest areas where things have gotten really intense, um, a lot of people that have a, a lot of experience protesting and are just like really badass and hardcore are a lot of times the ones that seem to be know how to handle themselves on the front and, and that they seem to be taking a lot of those attacks but that's so shocking that this was the first time and this man just walked up and asked them a simple question and they mm-hmm. hit him so hard this giant man that they broke his hands yeah stunning i mean especially because like these are protests against police brutality i know do you not see like you are highlighting this issue even more when they're protests like just let these people fucking protest. You right. know, oh, it's yeah. so simple to just let, like, you know, make sure no one is, like, I don't know, getting hurt, you know, and just, exactly. like... Yeah, there's a let, need for law enforcement at the protests, mm-hmm, I think, mm-hmm. because people, things can happen. There are yes. counter-protesters there who don't, who are there in bad faith. Like, things can happen, but... And we, as we have seen by, you know, the police officers in the Michigan State House when people were protesting their stay-at-home orders... They are able to exercise restraint. Exactly. I mean, my favorite part is that, like, so the the, the crux of this argument for the statues is, is because of the Confederacy. And the crux of the Confederacy, people try to say, was not slavery, but states' rights. And to protect statues of plantation owners, you're going to violate another state's rights by going in there and beating the shit out of everybody when every person that runs that state and that city has please asked you not to. Yeah, I know. It's wild. Wild. Uh, finally, over the weekend or before the weekend, the country lost two civil rights giants. Representative John Lewis, uh, he represented Georgia. He died at 80 after a battle with pancreatic cancer. He was the last surviving speaker from the 1963 March on Washington, which he helped organize at just 23 years old. He also led lunch counter sit-ins. He was one of the 13 original freedom fighters. And in 1965, he led the famous march from Selma to Montgomery uh, to demand equal voting rights for black Americans, where he was brutally beaten, arrested. Just days after that march, Congress introduced the Voting Rights Act, which we know President Johnson signed months and months later. Um, and then 2013, the Supreme Court gutted the VRA, as we know. Uh, legislation to restore some of the key components has been sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk for nearly a year. He just won't sign it. So amid Lewis's death, uh, representatives like uh, Jim Clyburn and Catherine Bass are recommending that the Senate take this up and name it the John R. Lewis Voting Rights Act. Um, I've also seen some calls to rename the Edmund Pettus Bridge is named after um, a Klansman. There were some petitions going around over the weekend to change that, but I saw some, and I posted that, but I saw some really thoughtful tweets from people like Toronto Burke reminding people that um, the local community leaders should decide what to rename that bridge and should absolutely be renamed. John Lewis would be a great thing to name it, but we should be empowering the local leaders and community members to, to choose their lane and what direction they want to push for and to support them when they decide. Um, also, we lost Reverend C.T. Vivian, who was also one of the original freedom fighters. 
and he was one of Martin Luther King's personal advisors. I think Emilka called him like the best preacher ever. Um, and both Lewis and Vivian were honored later in life with the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Mm. Yeah, so really, I mean, it's really, I think, so soothing in that, that, that Lewis and Vivian got to see um, moments that were really, really hard to watch, but hopefully were heartening because, you know, they were at yeah. a scale that Lewis said at the end of his life that he had, you know, never seen before and were so inclusive and broad. And um, we wanted to leave you today with a, a few words from Representative John Lewis when he was 23, uh, speaking at the March on Washington. So we'll play that after this. Until the return of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Brian Smith. This is the Betches Stuff Podcast. We march today for jobs and freedom, but we have nothing to be proud of. Well, hundreds and thousands of our brothers are not here, for they're receiving starvation wages or no wages at all. Those who have said be patient and wait, we must say that we cannot be patient. We do not want our freedom gradually, but we want to be free now. The time will come when we will not confine our march into Washington. We will march through the South, through the streets of Jackson, through the streets of Danville, through the streets of Cambridge, through the streets of Birmingham. We must say, wake up America, wake up, for we cannot stop and we will not and cannot be patient. Betches.